Hey everyone, this is Ray Hilbert, your host here at Bottom Line Faith. We hope that during this time of the global pandemic that you and yours are safe and sound. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be presenting to you some of the best of episodes that we have recorded over the last few years here at Bottom Line Faith. We're doing this in order to bring you some of the best high-profile and specialized speakers to help you navigate this crisis in your leadership in the marketplace. We'll be back with you soon with some new episodes of Bottom Line Faith, but for now, we hope and pray that this episode will be of tremendous value to help you live out your faith in the marketplace. And now, the show that bridges the gap between faith and business. Welcome to Bottom Line Faith. On today's show, Ray sits down with best-selling author and executive coach, Ed Rush. When you understand where God is leading you, there's nothing, there's nothing that will take you off that mission. Because when God focuses you on something, it becomes so big. You know, God says to Moses, look, leave here and go into this promised land. That was Moses' mission. Joshua, you're going to walk across this river, and you're just going to go ahead and conquer. When God tells you to go, there's nothing that will get in your way, as long as you know what that's supposed to be. Well, hello, everyone. This is Ray Hilbert, and welcome back to another episode of Bottom Line Faith. I am in beautiful San Diego, California, and I am really fired up to welcome to the show my guest for today, Ed Rush. Ed is a five-time number one best-selling author. He speaks to hundreds and hundreds of companies across the planet, actually. He is an executive and business coach to CEOs and uh, top high-capacity performers. And also, he's a brand-new dad. We're sitting across <laughs> the table from one another. Ed, welcome to Bottom Line Faith. Ray, man, it's good to be here. Yeah, we have something in common. We were both up late, uh, all night last <laughs> night. You're, for different reasons, we just had our fourth child here in San Diego, so that was a very interesting uh, time. So I haven't slept much, but I'm glad to be here. <laughs> well, me either. So this will be fun to see how this yeah. whole conversation turns out. But And really and truly, thank you for joining the program here. And I, I left a big part of your bio out, and it's really where so much of your leadership and so much of your expertise and what you've written and how you coach. But you had a very, very uh, unique part of your background. Why don't you tell us about that? <laughs> yeah. So I was a fighter pilot, as you mentioned, flew F-18s in the Marine Corps. I started that just after I left college. And um, just an amazing time, by the way. So uh, I went to combat twice in Iraq. I was in overseas in Japan. And the training in the Marine Corps and just the ability to spend uh, time on combat and overseas with the Marines and sailors that I was working with was amazing. So I did that for 11, 11 years until I got out in 2006, basically to spend more time with my family and to grow uh, and to grow my businesses. But, you know, I'll take you back into the cockpit of the F-18 and just kind of share with you a philosophy that I've taken with me ever since then. You know, when I showed up in my first squadron, when you, you know, when you do your training, you're flying these propeller airplanes, then you start flying jets, then you fly some more advanced jets, and finally you show up to fly your airplane. It was actually three different airplanes I flew in training before I got to the F-18. So I flew the T-34, which is a propeller-driven plane, a T-2, which is a small, light jet, and then the A-4, which is actually a former combat airplane, and then, and then I finally got into the F-18. So when I showed up in my first squadron in the F-18, I had actually passed through about four different stages moving into that spot where... To get to the next layer, you had to be the best. You had to be at the top of your class. So you had to be at the top of your class in boot camp. You had to be at the top of your class in instrument training. And you had to be at the top of your class in primary flight school, then intermediate flight school, then advanced flight school. And you get to a point where, and I failed kindergarten, by the way, which you should know. <laughs> so uh, so I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. I've always really just relied on, on looking at successful people and mirroring and modeling what they did. So I get into the airplane. 
and the F-18, and I'm, and I'm thinking that I'm a pretty good pilot. And I show up at my first squadron, and we do a lot of aerial combat, one against one dogfighting. And that's really where you get tested to see how good of a pilot you are. There's a lot of other things we do in the F-18, dropping bombs, shooting missiles, but the, but the one against one is really where you can tell someone's instincts, how good they are at what they do. And I was getting beat bad over and over and over and over again. It was embarrassing actually, because you know, you start up start off every engagement kind of pointing at each other to to be completely neutral. And I'd end every engagement by looking over my shoulder to the airplane behind me that's shooting me. <laughs> uh, and so I had I really thought that I had gotten to the point where, you know, you feel sometimes where you're the you're the best of the best of the best. And then finally you show up with these guys who are amazing. I mean they're amazing. Uh, and I had thought that I had maybe accelerated past the point at which I was capable actually. Uh, and so I did uh, something that would change my career uh, for the better, and in fact, would change my life for the better. Uh, and what I did was, you know, the the, uh, the simulators, the F-18 simulators uh, that we had were open all week. And so from about eight in the morning to about eight at night, the simulators were always open, but guys were always in there scheduling time in those simulators because everyone wanted to learn how to get better. But on Friday night around five, uh, every fighter pilot on the base typically would migrate over to the O-Club, where guys would pretty much drink for the rest of the night. And by the way, I'd make it there eventually, but from 5 to 8 on Friday night, that simulator room was empty. And I would go into that room, and I'd sit in the cockpit of the F-18, uh, and I would cover my eyes, and I would memorize uh, just by feel where every single switch was in the airplane. Uh, and then I would fly some missions out in that simulator all by myself and just training against simulated airplanes. And I would drill it and I would do it over and over and over again. And then I would take the procedures manual and I would learn the exact turn rate in every configuration that got me the best turn. And what I realized was, you know, the F-18 turns at about 60 to 70 degrees per second at a maximum rate turn. What that means is within three seconds, you can do a full 180-degree turn. Mm. That's the difference between losing and winning. It's facing someone or being behind someone is a 180-degree turn. So I knew if I could make one decision three seconds faster than my opponent, I'd win every time. Well, rarely do you ever get to do that because guys are making decisions in split seconds. So then I realized if I can make three decisions one second faster, I'd win. Or if I made six decisions a half a second faster, I would win. And I went within a year and a half from being uh, the worst dogfighter in my squadron to being a one of the best. And then within three years, I was the number one instructor in the entire Marine Corps for one against one dogfighting. Wow. So I went from being just awful to being uh, the top of my game, one of the best pilots in the entire Marine Corps, not because of uh, necessarily skill set, but simply because of small incremental changes and understanding that the game of dogfighting and the game of life isn't a big, bold maneuver. Like if you remember in the movie Top Gun, when Maverick yeah. had his, yeah. you know, put on the brakes, you fly right by. Sometimes in life and business, we feel like, gosh, if I could just find like the one thing, the holy grail, the magic move, it would make all the difference. Really, a lot of times it comes down to incremental, small decisions that you make consistently over time and, and throwing in a, a burst every once in a while. And next thing you know, you're successful. That's an incredible story. And so let, let me ask you this. Was that that discipline or that that process that you just walked through was that something that you just kind of like found inspiration from the inside or or were you being externally motivated look at if you don't get this straightened up you're not going to be 
out on, out on combat. You're not going to be our guy. What was that like? Yeah, there wasn't anybody telling me that I was. I I just knew that you I was performing. And yeah. And at that point in your life, I mean, if you if you gotten to the point where you're flying F-18s, you have to have your own internal sure. motivation. Yeah. And frankly, some of it was just embarrassment. Like, you know, I just didn't want to lose anymore. <laughs> and and <laughs> it's just hard after a while, you know, when, when you're when you're that unsuccessful, you know. And, 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 and interestingly, like that pattern has just been completely across my life. Yeah. You know, everything I've ever done, I was awful at, at first. Uh, I'd never, I've no natural gifting, but always found a way to find like the few things that you can do to just sort of accelerate success, grab a hold of one thing, and then just simply multiply that. And next thing you know, you know, success comes in a whole bunch of different ways. Yeah, and as the old saying goes, everything's hard until it's easy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and that's, it really is an interesting principle because and I teach a lot of business owners. And in the world that I live in, where I know and work with a lot of people who teach business principles. And the fact is most of the events that you go to, most of the books that you read and most of the people that you will follow tend to make things sound like it you know, it's so super easy. You know, all you need to do is do this and click yeah. this and next thing you know, but then good folks like us get into business, we try to start ex- executing these strategies and we get frustrated because it doesn't sound as easy as the person just mentioned. Well, it's not as easy as the person just mentioned, but there are easier ways to do things. Don't get me wrong about that, but it's n- never as easy as someone mentioned. But when you put a little discipline in place and when you put some short burst of energy in place going for one thing, what you start to see is it affects everything and makes incredible change. I want to come back in just a couple of moments about some of the the principles and the way you coach and some of those things that that you really you know focus on in your in your business and, and consulting practice. But uh, let, let's talk a little bit about your faith, yep. your background. H- how did you come to Christ <laughs> and what what's that relationship like for you? How, how did that happen? Yeah. So the story actually, uh, my dad was a, a referee in the NBA with Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, and he, he had had a few trips to Seattle. And in Seattle on the court, there's a PA announcer for 30, 40 years, a guy named George Tolls. And uh, George was sitting on the court. My dad and George occasionally would just have dinner as friends, and they would just catch up. And George began to share the gospel with my dad. And my dad was receptive to just listening to it and hearing it. And he was coming into Seattle, and he was going to meet le- later that night with, with George. Uh, and George, by the way, who's become an incredible friend of mine, just an amazing man, George called another friend of his named Norm Evans. Uh, Norm ran a ministry called Pro Athletes Outreach at the time. PAO. It was one of the biggest yeah. Yeah. Uh, ministries for professional mm-hmm. folks like my dad. And George called uh, Norm and said, hey, Norm, I need you to come tonight, a meeting with Ed Rush in the locker room after the game, and I'm going to share uh, Christ with him. They go into the locker room. Next thing you know, my dad becomes a believer. And I, and, and within days, he's home telling me the story, and I become a believer. I was about eight or nine years old. Yeah, so, yeah. so that was that was my whole conversion experience right there. But, you know, my faith has just grown ever since then. You know, it's been, it was a long time ago. <laughs> that, that's fantastic. And so then now let me fast forward and let's jump back into your, your, your fighter pilot yeah. and your training. How did that, those two worlds connect? Your faith and military or what, you know, yeah. just walk me through it's that. It's a great question because, you know, in, in the modern day Christian world, we have a very a separated view on almost everything. So, you know, work is work and family is family and then church is church. And the truth is, and I don't mean to, to wreck on the modern church, but the modern church almost in a lot of ways facilitates that. There's not a lot of cross-cultural work that goes. It's one of the reasons I love what you do with Truth at Work is because it, it really brings together faith and work in an actual real way that actually works. Remember, go back to that initial story about flying the F-18. I'm interested fundamentally in things that work on planet Earth. I'm not interested in theory or fluff 
or someone's idea on something. How I want to actually see it work on planet Earth in real life, because in a lot of ways, people view their faith and their work and their mission and everything yeah. as sort of separate compartments. Especially men, it tends to be very confusing for us. And I'm always interested in things that work. And so uh, when I went to boot camp before I ever got into F18, three years before that, when I went to boot camp, I brought a bunch of three by five cards with me. It was about 20 cards that I had written verses on. And I carried these little verses in my pocket because I was sure at the time that of the 192,000 people who were in the Marine Corps at the time, I was the only believer. Mm-hmm. I was convinced of that, that I was joining this organization, that I was the only person of faith there. So I show up at boot camp. And if you've ever seen Full Metal Jacket or you've heard of Marine Corps boot camp, you know that that is it's a it's a harrowing experience so you're getting yelled at stuff's flying all over the place you know you, you, life is just a gigantic blur you never get any sleep kind of like now and and there's no mercy there's no compassion and all of a sudden on the second night at boot camp my drill instructor who i'm pretty sure is the most evil man on planet earth uh, we're all we're all lying in our racks it's 10 or 11 at night we're getting ready to go to sleep which nobody ever did my drill instructor is walking through our squadron and he goes now he goes if someone wants to it would be okay just before i turn off the lights if somebody wanted to lead our platoon in prayer wow he starts it like that he goes if somebody wants to it would be fine and we we called ourselves candidates at the time so i was candidate rush and this is exactly how he said it he goes if someone wants to lead our in prayer it would be fine if somebody would want to do that candidate rush why don't you go ahead and do that that's it came out right after it. Now, he had never seen my cards, never knew I was a believer. There wasn't any internet at the time, so it wasn't like he could do any research on me or anything like that. He literally just... And now, all of a sudden, on day two of boot camp, You're I the have guy. this moment where every single night for 10 straight weeks, I get to pray with and for my entire platoon. It was amazing. And it turns out this guy was a believer. I found out later. But then I used to take my cards, and I used to take my cards and read a, I'd read a verse to all my guys in my platoon, uh, and then I'd pray, and then we'd all go to sleep or do do whatever we needed to do. It was my, it was a lesson for me right there that God was just saying, you know, you're you're not alone here. Like, you know, you're not the only one. There's other people that yeah. I place in this. Uh, and so my my life as a marine, my life as a fighter pilot, my life as a believer, all moved into each other, and they and they weren't so separated. So I used to lead Bible studies and help guys be better pilots, you know, be better husbands and, and dads. And I mean, it all mixed in together. And it, and that's the way I've always been ever since then. Well, I'd like to thank you for sharing that. That's really uh, pretty cool to hear and how God had that all set up, right? And I think that's maybe even a great segue because, you know, I've never been in the military. So first of all, thank you from the bottom of my heart yeah. for serving our, well, thank our nation. You. you paid for all those flight hours. So, <laughs> But in the military, as I would understand it, it's, it's not about political party. It's not about what's different. It's about what we have in common. It's about a mission. It's about accomplishing something. And I think as I've just gotten to know you, that that's really a driving force for you. You, you. you see some things in our country. You see some things in their world that you're very passionate about. Would you just speak to kind of like what God is calling you now? We'll, we'll get to more of the coaching and the yeah. business side in a moment but you've got a real personal passion here that I think our audience should hear about. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone uh, that you meet in the United States right now that doesn't feel like we haven't lost our way. I mean, as a country, uh, we've been called to do some amazing things. We're set on the global stage with just incredible power and authority, and we've, we're have we not heading in, in the direction that we need to be. And by the way, I'm not talking about right now, and I'm not talking about our president. This has been happening for 40 years or 150 years, probably. And so I'll, I'll take you back to the Marines. So, you know, when I was in the Marine Corps, I was convinced that every person in the, in the Navy was a lazy, 
no good, you know, you can fill in the blanks. And I was convinced that the Army had no idea how to fight a war. And I was convinced that the Air Force was just confused as to what war even was, you know, because we were kind of trained to sort of like disparage the other services. And we'd, we'd fight each other at the bar on Friday night and make fun of each other when we were in classes together. But let me tell you something. In 2003, we went to war. The Army, the Navy, the Marines, and the Air Force with a coalition of other services, by the way, who were, we were making fun of as well, the Brits and the Canadians and the Australians. But let me, let me tell you, the moment we crossed that line, we stopped making jokes towards each other. And we actually, I actually realized that the Navy, they were, wow, they were really good at what they did. And the Air Force, my goodness, incredible, the kind of work that they did over Baghdad. And the uh, Marines and the Army, my, I mean, the, the work that those soldiers did. And so what ended up happening is when we had a common enemy, we came together, we forgot all our little petty disagreements, uh, and we fought our mission with incredible speed and success. I mean, it, what we did there uh, has never been seen on the battlefield for thousands of years. So I learned a lot in that time that, you know, your enemies really aren't the enemies that you think they are. And so I began to look at our nation because I have a passion for our country. I, I just feel, feel a calling, a sense of calling, but a passion for our country, which I believe God has his eye on for good. I believe there's so many things about our country that, that are such a blessing to the rest of the world. And I believe that we've lost our way. Part of the reason we've lost our way is because we believe this lie that we're divided. The story that you see from the mainstream media and every article that you'll read on any, I don't care what news outlet it is, I don't care what side they're on, will tell you the story about how divided our country country is. But if you just take a step back and look at it, you'll see that it's not the case. For example, when two airplanes hit the Twin Towers as a country, it didn't matter if you were a Democrat or Republican, Libertarian, uh, we all mourned together. You know, we... Uh, we salute our na- national heroes. We mourn together. And we have this incredible country that really believes in incredible things. But we also have uh, a group of people who are trying to divide us. And there's a reason for that. Um, CNN was almost bankrupt and out of business until 2015. And now they're one of the most successful media companies on planet Earth because division makes you money. Yeah. Political parties can't raise money unless there's anger or division right now. And so the fastest way that you can do that is to vilify the other side and to make them look as evil as possible because the money begins to flow that way. And I believe that our country is better than that. The fact is, I don't think anger and division and frustration and malice and all the kind of things that are happening right now are, are American. I think it's quite the opposite. It's what looks like something that happens in some other countries that have wars every two years over who's mm-hmm. going to be president. Right, right. And so I think we have a future, and I think our future is a peaceful future. But I think it's time, frankly, for men of God, women of God, to step into the places that they've been called to be. And I believe that for far too long, believers, good believers have been departing that place. I will tell you that when I walk into church and I tell people, people go, well, what's your mission? I go, oh, I want to change the country. And they're going, how, how are you going to do that? I eventually plan on running for office. And they go, yeah, you know, eventually I'm going to run for office, you know, senator, president or something like that. And I'm telling you to a person, this is what they tell me when I, when I, I don't care who it is, when I'm talking to somebody in church, they will all look at me and they'll, go, they'll say the same thing. They'll go, man, I would never want that for my family. That's what they, it's the same thing. It's almost like yeah. it's almost like they were handed that cue card because it's this, the same way they say it the same way. And I go, man, if the whole country of men and women are going, oh, I wouldn't want that for my family. Well, no wonder we've got all these folks leading us right now because <laughs> all the people that God called and empowered and gifted to be in places of leadership right now are off, you know, parking cars in the church parking lot. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, 
We've got believers who are supposed to be senators in the United States Senate right now who are parking cars in the parking lot. We've got senators who should probably be parking cars yeah. instead of yeah. doing what they're doing. You yeah. know? So yeah. Yeah. I believe that God is calling a new generation of leaders right now, four or 500, I don't know how many, a lot, to come in and create a new revolution in the United States of America and change things for the better. Oh, that's fantastic. And so if someone's listening to the program right now and they're just encouraged about what they're hearing, they're inspired, they want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with yeah, you? Yeah, thank you for asking that. So um, I'll give you two quick websites. The first one, I wrote a book last year. It was called The 21 Day Miracle, How to Change Anything in Three Short Weeks. Uh, you can go directly there. The website is www.edrushbook.com which is the second most easy website to remember on planet Earth. My own website's edrush.com, which is the single most easy website to remember uh, <laughs> on planet it. Earth. So it's edrush or edrushbook.com. You can you can learn about me. And I, I'd love to connect with your listeners. I obviously have a passion for your mission, uh, which means I have a passion for the mission of people who are listening to this podcast That's as well. right. That's right. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about maybe some of the principles. Let's talk about, you know, you've talked so far about the power of incremental changes and commitment commitment and discipline and those sorts of things, and then a united mission, a united cause, which we've talked about. You, you do something that I really want to hear more about. It's called the ultimate breakthrough. <laughs> yeah. w- would you tell us a little bit about that? I'm very intrigued with this. Yeah, so twice a year I do an event all, all across the country called the ultimate breakthrough. I'll give you a little bit of a, of a background on this event and why I do what I do. I, I mentioned this earlier on, but a lot of times guys see business and spiritual world kind of this uh, separated morph, and I've realized that these things come together seamlessly in a way that exactly how God intended it, frankly. So it was about four years ago and I was leading a business mastermind group and there's about 15, 16 uh, folks there who are all business leaders. They own their own companies, entrepreneurs and business owners, Uh, businesses ranging from uh, folks who are in transition all the way to maybe seven, $10 million businesses. And we're in this group and we're going around each person as a business owner is getting their own hot seat where they're getting helped by the other members of the group on their business. And as we're going around, we hit this woman named Irene who has this incredibly large company, a seven figure company in Japan. And as we get to her, God just speaks to me and says, you know, you're going to pray for her today. Hmm. And I said, uh, no, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be doing that today. And God said, no, no, you're going to pray for her. And I I said, I don't think so. Uh, You see God, uh, this is a business group, you know. And by the way, there maybe two or three believers out of the 15 or 16 people. Yeah, yeah. So I say, God, look, I don't know if you understand this. This is a business group, you see. I mean, these people paid a lot of money. They paid, it was a five-figure join to be in this group. I said, they, they paid a lot of money. They're here to talk about business things. They're not here for prayer or for this weird thing. And God said, well, you know, you should probably still pray for her. Now, what you don't know about the story is He's that woman... He's very persuasive, yeah, he, isn't he? It, it, interesting, because it took about 20 minutes of conversation in my head, <laughs> and I ended up praying for her, by the way, and I prayed for her only probably just to get rid of that conversation yes, in my head. Yes, But the part of the story I haven't told you is this woman, Irene, at this point has stage four cancer. Uh, that cancer had moved into her bones. Uh, she had lost all of her hair, very bright and very motivated person, but she was dying. And God said, I want you to pray for her. And after this 20-minute argument, I said, you know what? We're going to do it. And so I looked at Irene and I said, Irene, I'm going to ask your permission to do something we haven't never done before in this group. But I just feel like as a group, it would be great if we could just pray for you and ask God uh, to bless you, especially with your health challenge. And she looked up, her eyes got bright and she said, wow, that would be, that would be great. If, if you don't mind, that would be really great. And in that moment, 15 people got on their feet and walked around her and all actually put her hands, their wow. hands on her. And I'm telling you, most of them 
aren't even close to being believers. And so we prayed for this woman. That was about four and a half years ago. She's still alive. She should have been dead three years ago, mm-hmm, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, she's still alive. She's doing great. And what I realized was that the wall, the barrier that separates your faith and your business doesn't actually exist except for in our minds. Uh, and so what I started doing was I started, I, I do three-day events. And during my three-day events, I started having a morning, optional morning session called Faith and the Business of Prosperity. And in this session, what I would do is I'd bring business owners in and I would teach them a, a very short little exercise that during this exercise, they would learn how to ask God questions about their business and get answers. Mm. And over about a three year period of time of doing these little hour morning sessions, uh, I had about tracked about a 99% success rate for people coming in and listening to God. Now there were Buddhists that came in, there were Hindu folks, there were new agers, there were plenty of atheists. Um, There were some Christian people that came in. There were some folks who just didn't have a faith at all. And I would have these people come up to me. Like I had an atheist walk up to me with about five pages of notes. And she looked at me and she said, I I don't understand this. You see, I'm an atheist and I have five pages of notes from God here that I got from this session. Can you explain this to me? And I'm like, you explain it to me. Like you're the one that's the atheist, you know? (laughs) And so that woman, by the way, every week, one hour a week, she spends an hour listening to God, you know, after, after that exercise, it's, it's amazing. And so what I did is I took that hour session and I, and I actually stopped separating it from the, from the event. And I turned the entire event uh, into a business purpose, plan and profit event where there's no spiritual boundary at all. And again, this isn't just for Christian folks. Everybody comes to this event and you'll see within the first few hours, you'll learn an exercise where you ask God questions about your business and get answers. It's fundamentally the most powerful exercise I've ever used to break through any issue. And so what you typically experience is fairly massive personal breakthrough uh, in one or two areas of your life within the first three hours. And then we do it with what no other personal development does on planet Earth, which is we now start talking about how you can start making money with your business and your plan. Because a lot of times what happens in personal development or, or even spiritual events Uh, is you show up, you get some kind of breakthrough, uh, you get unstuck, but then you have no plan to make money or to grow your business or to hire people or to get new leads or customers because you have no plan to do that, you get stuck again. And so what we do in the business is we transition, we go from from fifth gear to seventh gear, and then I start teaching some new uh, and unique ways on how to get new leads, how to get customers, how to get new clients, how to talk to your clients, how to retain clients, how to get reviews and how to get referrals, how to get people to become repeat customers, how to better monetize your list and your leads and email and Facebook and mm-hmm. Twitter and social media and Instagram and all the things that come together in a business event. But in this context of this area where you've just got totally dialed in by God on your purpose. Okay. So my curiosity is like peaked through the, through the ceiling here, right? So if I'm listening to this conversation and let's say I'm a business owner, I'm an entrepreneur, maybe I'm a general manager responsible for a division or a part of running the business. Give me a clue, Ed. What would be a question that would be really powerful that I should consider in this process of questions that I should be asking God about my business? Yeah, there's four categories that I teach in the event, and I won't. We won't have time, obviously, in this, in this to go through each of the, the the frameworks. But basically, there's four places to start. The first one is on God Himself. The second one is on you. Uh, The third one is on money, which is really important. The fourth one is on purpose. Uh, And so the first thing that you need to do, I find as a business owner, is you need to get clear on understanding who exactly God is. That's very important. No matter who you are, no matter how how long you've been uh, reading the Bible, no matter how long you've been going to church, 
fundamentally understanding who God is will blow your mind, especially when you realize that he's not as um, demanding as you as you thought he actually was, which was my biggest personal revela- revelation when it came to God. Uh, the second thing is understanding who you are. This is actually, I mean, like, I, I, I don't know the numbers. I'll bet you 99.5% of the people on planet Earth have literally no idea who they are, who God created them to be. And what I understand from working with thousands of business owners and over 400 that have paid me to come into a room like we're in right now uh, to get one-on-one coaching. Uh, What I understand is that most people have no idea what God placed them on planet Earth to do. And when you find out what that is, you might be blown away at how big it is. I believe God's eyes are searching right now uh, for men and women who are willing to step up and go, "Here, here, here I am. I don't, I don't know what it is, but send me. And you, you'll be amazed at how your gift set uh, and how your entire upbringing has been leading you to the place of where God is sending you. And I can tell you that it's probably fairly big. The third one is money. Most believers have a completely fundamentally screwed up view of money that's been taught to us from the very beginning. Uh, there's a verse in Proverbs, I think it's Proverbs 27, that says, the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. What that means is when godly, good and godly people are doing what good and godly people should be doing, there should be a natural transfer of wealth from unrighteous people to righteous people. The reason that the church is poor and we don't have the resources we need is because we're not doing what God wants us to do. And part of it is because we don't understand what to do with our money. And um, the fourth one is purpose. And I t- started talking about this a little bit, uh, but when you line up your understanding of God, your understanding of yourself, your understanding of money, and your understanding of purpose, you become like one of Avengers' unbeatable superheroes in the world. Yeah. yeah. We, we interviewed a fellow recently, and he, he said, when we begin to understand these things that you're talking about, it really, truly gives us an unfair competitive advantage against everybody it's else. It's ridiculous. Right? I mean, and you know, it works on both sides, too. It, it, it helps you avoid distraction. It helps you avoid deals that you shouldn't take. It also helps you avoid all the criticism that comes with being an entrepreneur and a business owner. Look, life is hard. You've got employees that don't like you. You've got people online who criticize you. You've got Yelp pages. And let me tell you, if you, when you know where God's leading you and you're heading in that direction, there's not a critical review. There's not a nasty word. There's not a, a family member who could take you off your game. Most people, I find, and I talk about this actually on page two of my book. Um, most people on planet earth and Christians are the worst at this live their entire lives to meet someone else's expectation yeah. of what they should be doing. And when you live your life that way, you live confused and discouraged and frustrated. You're not making as much money as you want, want to, your family's not as connected as you want to. But man, when you understand where God is leading you, there's nothing. I don't care who, how, how nasty your mother-in-law is. There is nothing that will take you off that mission. There was there's nothing because when God focuses you on something, it becomes so big you know, God says to Moses, look, leave here and go into this promised land. That was Moses' mission. Joshua, here's what you're going to do. You're going to walk across this river, and you're just going to go ahead and conquer. Joshua says, all right, well, be bold and courageous is what God said. When God tells you to go, there's nothing that will get in your way as long as you know what that's supposed to be. Obviously, these are life-giving. These are powerful principles. These aren't. This isn't rhetoric. These are promises, right? So if I'm listening to this conversation right now, and I'm, and I'm discouraged, and I'm listening, I go, man, Ed, this sounds great great, but you, oh, I'm just discouraged right now. I'm frustrated. I don't know the next step. Would you just offer a word of encouragement to that frustrated, discouraged leader right now 
who doesn't know the next step in their journey. Yeah, so a friend of mine, his name is Joe Madden. He's the manager of the Cubs baseball team. He won the World Series two years ago. And Joe with his team has a rule that when they lose, he tells his players, you're allowed to lose hard for 30 minutes. And when they win, he says, you can win hard for 30 minutes. He gives them 30 minutes after each game to reflect upon each game before they move on into the next game or the next series or whatever it is. And as a believer, I think that rule is about a minute. So you have permission to be discouraged for about a minute before moving on. By the way, if you're discouraged or if you're frustrated, you know, welcome home. Uh, you're in good company. Uh, there's this guy named David who is this amazing king in Israel. <laughs> and if you read his Psalms, like in one day, he's like, God, you're amazing. Everything's working out perfectly. And the next day, he's like, what is this? Bipolar. <laughs> I can't believe Big this. Time. You know? <laughs> and, so, um, and so David in one of the Psalms, too, too, actually, well, more than this. But you hear the psalmist who says, why are you downcast, my soul? He actually speaks to his soul. And why are you so discouraged? Hope in God, for I will yet praise him, for he is the help of my countenance uh, and my soul. So step one, talk to your own self and be like, look, why are you discouraged? There's no money problem. There's no business problem. I know it sounds like I'm just giving you pious platitudes, but there's there's nothing. There's no, there, Look, I'll take you back. God led me to read one of my journals from about seven years ago. I opened this journal up and I was reading four or five, six pages of me being frustrated about a situation in business. It was a client situation. I can't even remember what it was. And I remember as I was reading through this journal entry, I couldn't remember the person. I couldn't remember the situation. It had been so long ago that it all just disappeared. And I thought, man, I spent three days of frustrated journal entries talking about a situation I don't even remember. You know, so it gave me some perspective today on the things that are that, that are happening. Well, that's Look, good. In business, money goes up and down. Okay, you can always find money. Employees come and go. Uh, team members come and go. Customers come and go. There's a cyclical nature of our, of business. It's just the way that life is. There's a cyclical nature of everything. Look, if you grow cotton, there's a cyclical nature of cotton growing. And if you grow, uh, you know, widgets that you sell on Amazon, there's a cyclical nature of that too. It's harder to see, but that's just life. Okay. Now, the important thing, like I said, the first one is just talk to yourself and you're the most important person in this. Get back on mission. God has a plan for you and a purpose. You need to know what that is and focus on that. He's not going to betray you. You might end up like Joseph, you know, stuck working for somebody that you don't want to work for for a little while, but God's going to get you there. Don't worry about that. And just focus on the fundamentals, the business fundamentals, new leads, new customers, new deals, new money, and old money from old customers. It's just start with the basics. Okay, fantastic. So I'm looking at your book, 21 Day Miracle, and this is your newest book. Yep. I'd love for you to just give us a quick nugget or two of a great takeaway that I would get if I were to read the entire book. What am I going to get out of this? Yeah, good. Thanks for that. So the book's a business book. It's a performance book. It's about how to get things done fast. And I'll give you a word that you probably already know because you probably go to church like me. You know, in the Greek language, there's actually two words for time. We use the word in both ways, but in Greek, they split the word up. In one sense, there's what's called chronos time, which is chronological time. You look at the clock, it's noon. You look at the clock, it's one. That's chronological time. Nothing you can do to speed or slow that up. On the other side, there's kairos time, K-I-R-O-S, uh, which is the Greek word for it's time time. So for example, my wife just gave birth to our fourth child and she gave birth right on time. It was a week late, according to the uh, due, due date, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was right on time. It was what God, it was exactly yeah. when God wanted her to be born, she was born in its time. And so in the book of Romans, you see that Paul says, in the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, the just for the unjust. And so there is a sense of on time time. Now, 
there's an interesting thing about this word, and I'm going to bring it into the book uh, in a second, but that on time for you can actually be delayed and it actually can be sped up. Let me give you an example. I talked about Moses. Moses left Egypt on the way to the promised land. God said, I want you to go to the promised land, a land flowing of milk and honey, send some spies. They sent some spies and they came back. God's plan for them, if Moses and Israel had done it properly, is they would have marched through the desert for maybe a few months, gone through some kingdoms, and gone into the promised land, and everything would have been set up about a year later. That was that was the plan. Well, the plan got thwarted fairly significantly. They ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years because Kairos, time on time time, was delayed because of their own disobedience. And so you can see how it can be delayed, but actually, interestingly enough, it can also be sped up too. Look, I already told you, God is looking for people who can accomplish this mission. And the mission, at least the one I'm talking about in the nation, is urgent. That means God's looking for people who are ready to move now. So how do you speed that up? Well, you start to speed up the way that you do things. We take far too long as entrepreneurs to do almost anything. Uh, Most people live their life completely distracted. The book, 21 Day Miracle, is designed to show you how to create an an incredibly outrageous goal and then create a short sprint to get you there. And I don't care if it's money or business or new customers uh, or your mindset or your body or your health or your marriage uh, or your relationship or your kids or whatever is most important to you right now, the book will show you uh, how to create a short burst, a short sprint of 21 days uh, to create a massive result and a massive change. And I've used this for everything. I used it for food. I used it for health. I used it for fitness. I've used it for business. I've used it for golf. I went from shooting in the uh, 110 when I first started playing golf last year down in the low 90s. Now I'm in the 80s finally, finally. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm using, I've used this technique, the 21 Day Miracle for almost anything. And you can use it too just to get a fast burst and get on with whatever your goal is so that you can speed up whatever God has for you. I love it. I love it. It's called <laughs> The 21 Day Miracle. It's by Ed Rush. You can check it out. Where, Yeah, Ed? Ed, uh, www.edrushbook.com. And by the way, I make the book uh, price as low as I can on Amazon. Books are not a revenue producer for me. They're, I share a, mi- a message and a mission. Uh, and when you get there, by the way, what I did was I created a whole separate site uh, for your listeners. They get completely for free. It's got a bunch of downloads and some videos and resources and worksheets. There's no charge at all. All you got to do is put your email so we know what, what login you want. And uh, that's totally for free for your folks oh, as well. Oh, that's fantastic. Ed, um, Anyone who ever listens to our program knows there's one question I never fail to ask. <laughs> Not having done over a hundred of these interviews, I forgot it one time and I promised to never do that again. <laughs> but it's what I call my 423 question. Yeah. It's always the last question I ask in our conversation. It's based out of Proverbs 423, where Solomon writes this. He says, above all else, guard your heart, for from it flows all of life. So, Ed, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to imagine the opportunity to gather your family, your friends, your loved ones, those who are most precious to you, and you're going to pass along that single most important piece of advice to them. Would you fill in the blank for us today? Above all else. Yeah, besides above all else, guard your heart. It's interesting, that verse. So I think it was Luke 10. Jesus pulls his disciples together, and Luke says he told them this parable so that they would pray and not lose heart. And the interesting thing about the Christian journey is Jesus knew this because he was teaching his disciples this. It's really easy to pray and lose heart. I already talked about a mission and a vision and God's wanting to change the country. Well, look, if you join that or if you go on your mission, whatever your your mission is, the first thing that's probably going to happen, I'll take you back to this story. It'll be 15 or 20 seconds. Abraham in Genesis 12 was called by God to leave his nation and to bring his family into a new nation. 
God said, look, I'm going to make you an amazing nation, stars and sand, and your children are going to populate the world. And Abraham leaves Ur and moves into Canaan. And the next verse says, now there was a really big famine in the land. So Abraham had to go to Egypt. And I imagine his family was looking at him at that point, like, oh, you heard from God. Oh, right. Mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's really common when you first start out on almost anything that a lot of times God gives you almost the op- complete opposite of what he said he was going to give you at first. And so when Jesus taught his folks to do that, so above all else, the first one, guard your heart, is actually one of the most important things because you're, it's a long mission, it's a long purpose of yours, and it's going to take some ups and downs ups and downs to get there. The second thing, I'll take you back to the very beginning of the interview where I talked about those small incremental changes that happen simply over time. Uh, that's the reason why a 21 day miracle in the book that we just mentioned is so important because you got it. You have a big plan, but you need short bursts to get you there. The fact is we live on planet earth where things work a certain way. Uh, so it could be business. It could be getting new customers. It could be getting new clients. It could be launching or creating a new business. It could be starting a nonprofit or a ministry, whatever is on your heart, but take the first step, which is guard your heart and pray and not lose heart persist in other words and the second is is create a plan a short burst plan to get you just one step along the way those two things you'll be fine that's fantastic ed thank you for joining us yes sir thank on, you on the program here at bottom line <laughs> faith folks check it out again edrushbook.com a great great leader great principles here a man who loves jesus is modeling christ in the marketplace that's what we're all about here at bottom line faith till next time i am your host ray hilbert at bottom line faith encouraging you to live out your faith every day in the marketplace god bless and we'll see you next time Bottom Line Faith is brought to you by Truth at Work. If you'd like to hear about new episodes or listen to past episodes, visit us online at bottomlinefaith.org. You can also subscribe to the show through Google Play and iTunes.